going to start here at verse 17, and my goal is to get down to verse 24. <laughs> and uh, we can do it. Um, so it says 930 on the dot back there. So um, let, let's just start reading here in verse 16. Uh, and uh, get. Ju we're just going to kind of jump in. I, I was debating doing a 20-minute review when I need the 20 minutes to get us through verse 24, I think. Okay? So verse 16. For if the first fruits be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And, and again, that's, that's the principle. Uh, and if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree wert grafted in among them, and with them partakers of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee, goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and wert grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these which be the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? Now, that section, verse 25, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And again, that's a tremendous passage, a lot going on there. A lot of people break their spiritual neck on this passage because they make it say what Paul is not saying. Most of the time, they use this passage to talk about salvation unto eternal life. He's not talking about individual salvation. He's already done that in chapters 1 to 5. He's not talking about uh, Gentiles replacing Israel, which is the other, okay, replacement Israel idea. He's not talking about you are spiritual Israel. Actually, he warns you against thinking that way three times here, okay? And we'll see that as we go down. What he's doing is, well, what is the context of chapter 9, 10, and 11? It's that dispensational impact on the nation of Israel. What has happened to Israel? Chapter 9, they stumbled. They missed the Messiah because of what? Unbelief. What does chapter 10 say? They're still in unbelief. Chapter 11, they are fallen. They stumbled, verse 11, then they fell. Verse 15, they're cast away. So he's not dealing with your salvation, this is not a formula for salvation, it's not a formula for justification, it's not a formula for you being drawn into something very special. And what happens is, is they use that issue of the olive tree. And we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. And they, I don't know what it is with people wanting to make you and I members of Israel. It's not the case. You are something new. You're a new creature. If you're new, that means you're not part of an old thing, are you? Okay, you're, you're new. You're a new creation. You're a new creature. You're a new man. So Paul is starting. Actually, what Paul's goal is is verse 25. That's Paul's goal in all of this. It's for you and I to understand that, okay, that the, there is a, the, the issue with Israel's casting away and the issue of Israel's being set aside is temporary. Okay? Verse 26, what does he say? And so all Israel, what? Shall be saved. So what he's doing is, is he's going to use this olive tree 
And he's going to say, just as God broke off the natural branches, he has the right to do what with them? Bring them back. That's what he's doing. What did he do with you? You're not a natural branch. You're a wild olive tree. You're an unnatural branch. And what did he do with you? He came over here and put you back, put you into this, see? He's not talking about you leaving. By the way, verse 13, remember we talked about the pronouns? You got to watch the pronouns. I speak to you Gentiles. So when you read you and thou and thee, who's he talking to? Gentiles. He'll use them, verse 14, save some of them. There's Israel. And again, not the little flock. The little flock is nowhere in any of this. I know what people do with it. They make it say what it's not saying. Just leave it where it sits. What does he say? Verse 16, here's the principle. The principle is, is if the root is holy, then obviously the branch are, is holy, which then obviously makes the lump, the byproduct, what? Holy. So the issue here is the root the root is where the life is. And the branches are merely, merely manifesting the life that the, that's found in the root. And that's the simple principle. We understand that. Now he's going to, verse 17, he's going to reach in now into Israel's language. By the way, he's done that throughout chapter 9 and 10 and 11 here. And he's going to use an illustration. And the illustration that he's going to use is going to be designed to bring Israel to a point of jealousy. To bring Israel to a point of emulation. What's his, what's his ministry, 11.11? The end of that verse. For to provoke them to what? Jealousy. Verse 14. That I might by, means, by any means I may provoke to emulation. That word emulate copycat just be just like there's a reason why in acts 15 peter says we jews now have to be saved like they gentiles he's not talking about the little flock the little flock set okay he's not he's talking about the jew now why because who brought the accusation you remember acts 15 look back there at acts 15 I told myself not to get off track, but you have to bring all this back up into your thinking. Acts 15. Look at verse 1. Acts 15, 1. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. That's not the little flock. Who would teach you that you have to keep the law? The vain religious system does. The Lord says, you're going to keep the law, but you're also going to do this. You're going to sell all you have and give alms. You're going to do this. See, there's more to the ministry and the message of the earthly ministry of the Lord and the twelve than just saying, keep the law. Remember, he heals that guy and he says, go, the leper, and he, go, to Moses, go to the priest and do what Moses tells you to do, but then don't tell anybody who did it to you. See, and what does the guy do? He goes and tells everybody who did it <laughs> to him. See, why? Because if the leper goes and cleanses and does right, you know what the priest would say? According to Leviticus, who did this to you? Who, clean, who cleaned you up? And there's to be a, a public announcement by the priest of who did it. That's why the Lord tells him don't do it. Why? Because the priesthood is an apostasy. They're not operating, functioning properly. So what does Peter say? Verse uh, 11. But, but we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, by the way, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, Galatians 2, Paul tells us what's happened behind the closed doors prior to Peter's commitment here of a proclamation, of an announcement, which is what he's doing. And what did Paul do according to Galatians 2 behind the closed doors? He brought them up to date. He expounded to them the ministry and the message given to him of the grace of who? The Lord Jesus Christ. So Peter stands in front of a Jewish congregation and says what? 
we shall be saved even as they. See, this has, this, the whole issue here, now go back to Romans 11. I got to get off of that and get rolling, okay? Yes, sir. Yes. Yes. Some of them are, but the majority of them aren't because of what verse 1 says, except you be circumcised after the manner you cannot be saved. And that's not the message in Acts 15. The message in the ministry in Acts 15, look, look, look there at Acts 15, verse number Seven, when there had been much disputing, Peter rose and said, Men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago God made a choice among us, that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. That's Acts 10, picture, that's Cornelius. Then he says, Which God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. Cornelius was a justified man into the little flock, Israel's program. But watch verse 9. And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts. How? You see how he says, by faith? When Peter goes in Acts 10 and preaches to Cornelius, it's do the works of righteousness. Here, he says what? It's by faith. What changed Peter's terminology? Paul does. Galatians 2. See? Paul says in Galatians, in the, in the, hey, my message now is by faith alone. So when he addresses the group, it is a mixed group. It is both a, a, the religious leaders and the little flock. Because the little flock needs to understand what's transpiring as well. They see this going on, going, what's going on here? They need to be brought up as well, and that's what Peter's doing. Verse 11, but we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. How is a Gentile saved? By what? By faith. How's that little flock going to be saved? Ultimately, by faith. How does that unbelieving Jew need to be saved now? By faith, not the works of righteousness. See, we're in Acts 15. We've been a few years in Paul's ministry. Paul, the, the religious guys come down into Paul's ministry and stir the pot. This is not in Romans 11. Go back to Romans 11. We had to get back on Romans 11. They go down, stir the pot. Peter reminds, calls the big meeting, gets everybody there, little flock, vain religious people, and he sets them straight and says, look, here's the deal. Paul comes. He meets with them privately. Galatians 2 shows us that. He lays out the picture Peter stands up and says, you know what, guys? Now it's all operating by faith. Now, in Romans 11, what's transpiring here? Romans 11, look, if you will, there at verse 20. Well, because of what? Unbelief, they were broken off, and thou standest by what? By faith. See, what was, what, remember when we got back up there at verse 7, 11, 7? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for. And we talked about what is he seeking for. Go back to chapter 9. What's he seeking? Chapter 9, verse 31. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore? Because they sought it not by what? Faith. But, as it were, by the works of the law. What were they doing? They weren't walking by faith. They were walking, and again, it's not little flock. The little flock walks by faith. This is unbelieving Israel. You have to, dis you have to make that dis distinction. Because if you don't, then you're treading in the waters where now you can say, we are spiritual Israel. And Paul, and, and go back to chapter 11, he's like, no, you're not. And by the way, how dare you say you are? You're being high-minded. You're boasting. Don't do that. See, understand what's happening. Now watch verse 17. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, again, pronoun, who? Gentiles. 
being a wild olive tree. Notice we got a wild olive tree. By the way, branches being broken off, who would that be? Apostate Israel, unbelieving the Jews. What are they? Look back in chapter 9. Again, just as we go through this, I'll remind you, chapter 9, verse 6. Not as though the word of God had taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. What's, he, what's the point? There's two nations in the... There is the nation Israel, but it's a mixed multitude. Come over to chapter 10. Chapter 10, verse 21. You have an apostate, unbelieving element. By the way, Mark 7 on Wednesday night, we've been dealing with these guys. The Lord has been laying this out. You know that the Lord and his earthly ministry lays out the Pharisees and the scribes, and he calls them what? Hypocrites. Generations of vipers. Those are Jews, but they're not what? Believing Jews. See? He lays this out. These guys haven't changed their tone at all. They're the same group moving through the Lord's earthly ministry, through the Acts ministry of the apostles, and into the dispensation of grace. These guys... They're still lepers. They still got the spots on them. They didn't change. Now, some believe and come out of that and come over and get in, but that's who Paul's dealing with. Look at, look at 1021. But to Israel he saith, All day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Gainsaying. They like to debate. They argue. You know, they'll debate. They'll argue at the drop of the hat, and they'll drop the hat. Why? That's... These are not, he's not talking to the believing remnant. He's talking to who? That unbeliever, that heathen. That's why in Galatians 2 he says, we got the right hand of fellowship, we're going to the heathen, and they to the circumcision. Very, very specific. So in 1117, if some of the branches be broken off, obviously that is apostate Israel. Thou, the Gentiles, were, you're, you're a what? Being a what? Wild olive tree. Now, he's going to use the olive tree here. No Gentile has anything in Scripture. No Gentile could care about the olive tree. They could care less about an olive tree. Who cares about the olive tree? Israel does. So he's using an illustration out of Israel's program to demonstrate, to provoke them. That's what he's doing. He's provoking them. You're, you and I, the Gentiles, that's why we spent that whole study on 1115 and the reconciling of the world. He's changed the status of the world so he, ha, he can come over here now and deal with the, the, the nations without having to go through the nation of Israel, which is what the prophetic program teaches if you're a part what's the problem with the wild olive tree it's not it's what it's wild it's not cultivated it doesn't produce fruit and if it does produce fruit it's dangerous fruit it's poison yeah have you ever seen when you're out walking and they say don't eat the berries and what are you over there doing picking the berries because a lot of times we don't, you can't tell a difference between a poison one and a good one. I, I, you know, you see, what are they? He, th there's the, the fruit on that wild olive tree is bad news. It's wild. The national status of the Gentile world is what? Wild. Now, come, hold on to here. Come over to Ephesians 2. You've got to see, you've got to catch what Paul's doing with this thing about the olive tree and the grafting in and out, okay? Because, again, mainline Christianity out there has got this weird idea about some of this. But when you just read what Paul is saying, to me it's clear. He's not talking about salvation. He's not talking about justification unto eternal life. He's not talking about how you, a Gentile, is replacing Israel in any manner, shape, way, or form. Look at Ephesians 2.1. What's, what's the Gentile condition? And you hath he quickened who were what? 
dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince, the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by... See that word nature? Paul uses it a lot in the section in Romans 11. There's a naturalness here. There's a naturalness to Israel being cut off. There's a reason here. And then there's a naturalness in grafting them back in, starting their program up. Just as there is a natural, what does God do? He's taking an unnatural branch, you and I, and what's he doing? Putting it into that olive tree. Now watch, verse 3. By nature, the children of what? Of wrath, even as others. Come, down, come over to verse 11. Who, who are you? Who are Not you specifically, okay? The Gentile world. That's what he's dealing with. Who were you? Verse 11. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past, Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh, made by hands, that at that time, what time? Not today in the dispensation of grace, but where? Time past. What were you? You were without Christ. That's not good news. Romans 9, what does he say? He said Christ came in the flesh to save them, to go deal with Israel. He looks over there at that little that lady, and he looks at his 12, and he says, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He doesn't talk to a Gentile, not because he doesn't love them and want them to see, because it's not the program. So what does he have to do? Change the program. Verse 12, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Boy, you're alienated. Without, uh, and strangers from the covenants of promise. You're not included you're included when you go through Israel that channel of blessing Genesis 12 but the original agreement sits over here with somebody else that's why you have no hope I think you think about the condition of the Gentile world and without God where in the world come over to Colossians 2 so the the by nature, who are you? Who is the gen? You're a wild olive tree. You, you can't produce fruit that's worthy of God. You can't produce the fruits of righteousness. Why? You're wild. You're uncultivated. You're dangerous. You're inferior. You're without God. You're without Christ. You have no hope. You're, you're cut off. By the way, that's in 2.13. What does he say there in Ephesians 2? But now, ye who are sometimes far off, are made what? Nigh. How? By the blood of Christ. See? What did that? What's the, what's the between two, Ephesians 2.12 and 2.13? What event in there changed? You remember? 11.11, they stumbled, but they didn't fall. But then they fall. Acts 7, that, that fall of Israel. Look at two, Colossians 2.13. And you, who would that be? Gentiles, being dead in your sins and uncircumcision of your flesh. Do you see how you're dead twice there? You are two times dead. You're dead in your sin, for the wages of sin is death, but you're also dead in your what? Status. You're uncircumcised. Hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all? trespasses. So go back to Romans 11. When God, when God changed the status of the world, he changes now something with Israel, sets her aside, cast her away because of her what? Unbelief. Not to come over here and replace her with somebody better. You ain't better. You're wild. You're a sinner. You're two times dead. See, that's, man. Now look at 11.17. Thou being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them 
and with them partakers of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. Now, I know what happens. Everybody gets all, you know, oh, about this grafting in mess, and you're focusing in on the wrong thing. The root produces the what? The life of the tree, right? Okay. Then the fatness would be what? The benefit from being connected with the root. Okay. So when you think about this, and the come over. Oh, come back with me to Acts twenty six. It's why why eleven fifteen he changed the status of the world. Look at look at Acts twenty twenty six. He that's it's, this is why God had to change the status of the world. What was ready to fall? Remember when we looked at Acts seven with stoning and the stoning of Stephen, and he's standing and he saw the glory of the Lord, the glory of God. Remember that? And when I looked at that and I showed you what he saw was the armies of heaven ready to do what? Come back and pour out the wrath of God, the day of the Lord events were beginning. Okay? Then he, because he saw the Lord doing what? Standing. And in prophecy, when the Lord stands, it's to judge. When the Lord stands, it's to be an advocate for Israel. Acts 26 Paul's on the road, he's recounting the road to Damascus event. Verse 17, verse 16, But rise, stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people, there's unbelieving Israel, and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee. So on the road to Damascus, Paul's converted and commissioned right there. Now watch verse 18. To open their eyes and to turn them from what? Darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith which is in me. Notice the natural, the national, the natural status of the world. Where are they? They're in darkness, spiritual darkness. Come over to Colossians 1. They, are, they need to be delivered. They're under the power of the satanic policy of evil. They're in captivity. They are twice dead. Colossians 1, verse 13, Paul says it this way. Who, and that'll be the Father in verse 12, hath delivered us from the power of darkness and have translated us into the kingdom of of his dear son. So when you come back to Romans 11, 17, when he starts here, he's demonstrating to Israel, that unbelieving Jew, and to the Gentiles. Again, not the body of Christ specifically, but to the Gentiles. That's why verse 13, what is he magnifying? Why does he have, if he's talking to the church, does he have to magnify his office? No, we know who he is. We're glad to have him. But the Gentile world out there doesn't, isn't glad to have him. They need to know what? He's magnifying his what? His office, his authority, his position. Who is he? He is the apostle of the Gentiles. And he's speaking to the Gentiles. And where is the Gentile nation? They're in what? Darkness. Now they're rich. We talked about some of that last time. They're rich. They don't know they're rich until what is shined in. That glorious light of the gospel is shined in, and then they see that. Now, look, if you will, let's talk about the olive tree. Because, again, <laughs> this in Scripture, the olive tree has a very special place in Israel's life. And, again, no Gentile would ever be concerned with an olive tree. They would care less. Now come back with me to Judges chapter 9. In Israel's history, there are four trees that are used in Scripture to represent Israel's life. Okay? Their different lives. Their religious life, their national life, their apostate life. And then that one special one where they have the access to God. In Judges 9, if you start there in verse 8, 
the trees went forth on a time to anoint a king over them. And they said unto the olive tree, reign thou over us. Now notice, the trees went, and what do they want? A king. So who do the trees represent then? Nations. Gentile nations, to be very specific. See how they're asking to be what? Ruled over. What was the mandate of the Abrahamic covenant? What, was, what did God tell Moses to tell Israel? You are the head, not the tail. The Gentiles are going to come and give you honor and you glory. If you're right, if you're doing everything I ask you to do, if thou will obey and continue in my word, all those commandments, if you're doing what I tell you to do, then what's the Gentiles going to do? They're just going to come and fill up your uh, storehouses. So what do the trees do? They go to Israel, and what do they say? What do the Gentiles say? Rule over us. But notice who they said that to first. The olive tree, verse 10. Uh, by the way, verse 9, but the olive tree said unto them, should I leave my what? See how now we got fatness? Why does in Romans 11 he say the root and the fatness of it? He's not talking about salvation, eternal life. He's already dealt with that, Romans 1 to 5. He's, there's something else in the fatness, in the goodness. I just told you, the goodness of God. There's something else going on here than just talking about eternal salvation or replacement Israel, spiritual Israel terminology. Actually, none of that is on the, on the table at all. Keep reading. Verse 10, and the tree said to the fig tree, come thou and reign over us. By, by the way, verse 9, you've got to catch it. Should I leave my fatness wherewith by me they honor God and man and go to be promoted over the tree. Notice what the olive tree says. I don't want to leave being the olive tree. I don't want to do that. Verse 10, they go to the fig tree. Now the fig tree represents the religious life in Israel. Now I know what the commentaries say. This is a national life, and they're wrong. And what they do is they misunderstand what Matthew 21 and the budding of the fig tree is all about. And they say that's the nation becoming a nation. And that is not. What, when, God, when the Lord comes and walks amongst Israel, what does he, in, in Luke there, when he, he says, don't tear down the fig tree, let me dung about it and see if I can get some more what? Fruit. That's, what, that's off that fig tree. What are they looking for? Fruit. Now, we don't have time to study all the trees. You can do that. Then he says there to, in verse 12, then said the trees unto the vine tree. There's the national life. In Isaiah, 5, uh, in Isaiah 5, he says, I have planted a vine, a vineyard over there, and it's Israel coming out. The Lord says, I am the true vine. He's what? The national, national life. And then in verse 14, then said all the trees unto the bramble. Come thou and reign. The, the apostate life of Israel. So you got four trees. By the way, all four trees are in the Garden of Eden. All four trees, they sit there all through Israel's life. You can see them, okay? I want to talk about the olive tree because that's what Paul's talking about, and that's what everybody gets there about. Come with me to 1 Kings chapter, chapter 6. When you talk about the olive tree, you're talking really about the spiritual life, the spiritual history of Israel. What was given to Israel, very fundamentally given to Israel, that no nation ever got from God? It's one word. Access. That's the olive tree. The fatness of the olive tree is access to God. You with me? No nation could go to God in the, in the prophetic program unless they went through who? Israel, that channel, Genesis 12, the seed of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. So when you think about olive tree, I mean, I know eternal life and all that, that's a given. That's part of the what? The access to God. But ultimately, fundamentally, 
What God gave Israel was access. Remember Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel, and he confounds the languages, and he spreads everybody out. And then in chapter 12, we see that he had already been talking to Abraham about stuff. The first three, four verses of Genesis 12 is past tense. He's already been talking to Abraham, and he says, I'm gonna, you're, you're, you're the access point to me now for everybody else. And then in Genesis 17, he says, I'm going to take everybody, the Gentile world out there, and I'm going to divide that thing up with circumcision and uncircumcision. And Abraham, being a very old man, goes out and gets circumcised. Why? Because that's what the access point to God was right there. You got uh, 1 Kings chapter 6. Just watch this. 1 Kings 6, Solomon is building the temple. And he's, we get the, the details here of everything. Look at verse 23. 1 Kings 6, 23. And within the oracle, he made two cherubs of what? Of olive tree, each 10 cubits high. The two cherubs, what, where were they going to sit? Do you remember? On top of the Ark of the Covenant. But where are they going to sit? In the most holy place. Okay? Verse, drop down to verse 29. And he carved all the walls of the house round about with carved figures of cherubs and palm trees and open flowers within and without. And the floor of the house he overlaid with gold within and without. For the entering of the oracle, he made doors of olive tree. Verse 32, the dude, the, uh, I'm sorry, the lintel and the side posts were a fifth part of the wall. And two doors also were of olive tree. Verse and he carved upon them the carvings of cherubs and palm trees and, okay, and sprayed gold upon the cherubs and upon the palm trees. So also made he for the door of the temple post of what? Olive tree. A fourth part of the wall. Come over to Zechariah chapter 4. The olive tree. When he builds the temple, Solomon's temple, what do people have to pass through to get access to God? They have to go through the olive tree. Why? Because the olive tree signifies what? Access to God. How does Israel have access to God? They have this covenant relationship with him through Abraham. So all through the olive tree in Scripture pictures fundamentally. Now, by the way, it pictures a lot of things, okay? Well, I'll give you a couple of them here in just, but it fundamentally is talking about access. Paul uses the olive tree in Romans 11 to represent now that the Gentiles, because of Israel's unbelief, because they have been cast away, because God has changed the status of the world, the Gentiles, that wild olive tree guy, now has what? Access to God. Through who? No one. No nation stands between us. Who's the only, thing, only person standing between us and God? The mediator, Christ Jesus. That's why Paul says that in Timothy. He doesn't... Okay? We're talking about access here. Uh, Zechariah 4, um, verse 1. And the angel that talked with me came again and, and, and waked me and as a man which is awakened out of sleep and said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked and behold a candlestick all of gold with a bowl for, uh, upon the top of it and his seven lamps thereon and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof and two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl and the other upon the left side of the bowl thereof. What does this olive tree with the lamps doing? What's it doing? What does an olive tree produce? Olive oil. Leviticus, you write this down, we don't have time. You go to Leviticus 24 and verse 2, and you know what olive oil is used for? Making light. Lighting the candlesticks. So the olive tree in Scripture also represents not only the privileged access able to enjoy a relationship with God, but now it also produces what? It produces light on the subject manner. 
today, in the age of grace, what is Paul's message? What's the message from the Godhead today? Grace and peace. What's God done today? He's changed the, he's reconciled the world. And, there, and, and through that, what has he done? He's come over here and he's made that Gentile world very rich. So the olive tree, come back with me to Romans 11 there. On your way, stop at Jeremiah 11. So the olive tree has, this, has many different representations. Look at Jeremiah 11. So today in the dispensation of grace, I, you have to think about this. God has reconciled the world. Therefore, he's made the world rich. How does he do that? He's sending his salvation to who? To the Gentiles. Romans 11, 11. By the way, what did that do to the Jew? Provoked them to jealousy. So the grafting into the olive tree is a illustration demonstrating who has a, someone has now a relationship with, with God. Who had it in time past? Israel did. Now they're cast away, 1115. So now he's turned to who? The Gentiles. And what do the Gentiles have now? Access to God, which is an unnatural thing. Because what are you? You're a wild. You're, you don't have, you've never had access to God. Not you personally, just the Gentiles, okay? I've got to remember my pronouns, okay? Now look at Jeremiah 11. And look at verse... Verse 16. Now, in Jeremiah, Jeremiah is a prophet about the 70th week of Dan, about the, the uh, Babylonian captivity, sorry, about that fifth course judgment, okay? So when Israel sees the fifth course judgment and sees all that, what's Jeremiah going to tell them here? Verse 16, the Lord called thy name a green olive tree, fair and of what? Goodly fruit. What's he look at that little flock? What does he say to that nation? I'm taking the kingdom from you and I'm giving it to a nation that's going to produce what? The fruits of righteousness. Israel, you're not producing. This little flock, this foolish nation is producing. I'm going to cut you down, throw you into the fire, and I'm going to come live over here. Now keep reading. With the noise of a great tumult, he hath kindled fire upon it. The what? The olive tree. The green olive tree. And the branches of it are what? Broken. You see, in Israel's life, to, uh, to read and to hear Paul say, you have been broken off, should never have been a shock to anyone. Jeremiah just told them in that fifth course, the Babylonian captivity that's coming, you know what you are? You are branches broken off. That's who you are. So the illustration here, they understood. So Paul, now go back to Romans 11 quickly. Man, I'm going to get one verse today. Maybe not. Romans 11. Paul, in response to Israel's unbelief, what has God done? Acts 7, stoning of Stephen, representing blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. What is Israel now? Complete apostasy. The believing remnant has been scattered abroad. They're out protect, getting ready for what? The 70th week, the great day, the tribulation. The Lord intervenes with grace, peace, and mercy, and long-suffering and forbearance and his grace, right? Saves Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. The only way he could do that is by changing the program. He couldn't do that with Saul before in Israel's program. Changes the status of the world, makes it savable. And you know what Paul does in 11.17? He says, you guys are broken off. The broken off branch is apostate Israel. Again, the believing remnant is not in this. They're not here at all. 
they're over here standing by. Again, Acts 15. We're waiting for God to do what? Visit the Gentiles. And then he's going to do what with us? Finish us up. Now, none of them knew that he would delay that for, what, over 2,000 years, roughly? What are they anticipating? A temporary visit. And that's Paul's point. Thou, the Gentile, you know what you have now? You have an open-door policy with God. You have complete access. Why? Because he took an unnatural thing and made it Remember last week I taught, we looked at that word made? He took that wild and he made it usable. How did he do that? By the cross of Calvary. Now watch verse 18. Boast not against the branches. Now here's a warning, 1118. Think about this warning. Boast not against the branches. Again, who's the branches? Apostate Israel. They've been broken off. See that? It's not Israel, little flock, believing remnant. Don't, don't boast against. No, it's boast against who? Verse 17, the branches he just broke off. What is a tendency for you and I to do? Not, not us specifically, but for the Gentile to do. Well, verse 18, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. What do we tend to do? We tend to boast and brag, don't we? And what Paul is saying here is, is don't you dare think that you're better than the Jews. Don't you think you are superior to the Jews? You're in because of God's what? Grace and mercy. You ain't nothing. You're two times dead, Colossians 2. That's who you are. You're aliens. You're, you're, you're wicked. You're children of wrath, children of disobedience. But what did God do? He changed the program, delayed it, interrupting it. And you know what he says? Don't you, look at verse 25, the middle of that verse. Lest you should be wise in your own what? Conceits. What does Paul know is going to happen in the body of Christ? What's going to happen among the Gentiles? We're going to say, we are what? Israel. We replaced Israel. We are, see how he, the word of God is, man, it's predicting where we sit today. You, I listen to the guy, and it's just like pulling your hair out. You're spiritual Israel. Bring it in the kingdom. No, you're not. That's what Paul's getting at here. You have access. Verse 19, th th thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Look at that. Don't, by the way, that's what religion says. That's what evangelicalism says today, by the way. They say that. That's what a lot of folks we know say. We're grafted in because Israel, they just couldn't get it done. We can get it done. Yeah, really? How you doing? You see, they don't boast. If you think you are replacing Israel, then you're in false doctrine. You're in error. You are. Because Paul, what is Paul? Paul just says, don't say this. And yet, what are we out here doing? Some of us saying it. Paul says, that's not. See, what happens is, is we get stuck on grafting an olive tree. So we run all the, all the fatness stuff and all that back there, and we've missed what Paul has said. What did he say? You are not Israel. Gentile world, you are not Israel. Church, the body of Christ, you are not Israel. Quit talking that way, but catch what he's done. Verse 20, well, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, but what? But fear, See, by the way, fear not in, oh my goodness, I'm going to get nailed, which is what they begin to say now about verse 21 and 22, okay? It's not about losing something. It's fear in the fear of the Lord. Here's what his word is on this. What's his word here? Here's, look over at verse 30, uh, verse 29. For the gifts of God... I'm sorry, for the gifts and calling of God are what? 
without repentance, without repentance, changing of the mind. You know what God's going to do? God said he's going to establish Israel as a kingdom, his people in the earth. Guess what he's going to do? He's going to do that. Right now, what has he said? I'm going to do that, but right now I'm doing this. And here's how I'm legal to do it. Here's how I'm right to do it. It's important to, talk, to catch what Paul is saying here versus what people make him say. God is not, what Paul is saying here is God's not replacing Israel with the Gentile. Rather, he's doing something new with the Gentile. And one day, you know what Gentiles he's going to do? He's going to break you off. And then he's going to come back over here and put back on, by nature, Israel. He's going to conclude the Gentile program, dispensation of grace, and he's going to resume Israel's program. Because what happens? What does a Gentile boast about? Verse 19, we are replacing Israel. And Paul's like, no, you're not. Don't say that. Don't you think that? Now watch verse 20. Why were they broken off? Because of what? Well, we've already seen that. Come back there to chapter 9. You see, folks, this is not new thought here in 11. He's been building the case in chapter 9 and, and 10. Excuse me. Chapter 9, verse 30. What shall we say then? that the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness, hath attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of what? Now watch the faith. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore? Because they sought it not by faith. Israel's unbelief caused them to miss the Messiah, stumble over. Remember we did that, stumbling before the cross? The ultimate culmination demonstration of their unbelief was Calvary. They killed their Messiah. Then they stumbled over the apostles, early Acts ministry. You see, Israel, they stumble, come back to chapter 11, because they're broken off because of what? Unbelief. Not the Gentiles deserving something. Not because the Gentiles were all of a sudden great people. You know? The Pharisees look over there and they say, we, we, have father, we have Abraham as our father. And old John looks at him and says, he can make those stones children of Israel. Having Abraham as your father is only a piece of the, of the formula. You've got to clean up the interior, and that's when they you know, get upset with old J.B., that's when they get upset with the Lord. That's when they get upset with Peter and so forth. Now, watch verse 21. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Again, who are the natural branches? Israel, the Jews. Who are you? The, who are, who's the thee? The Gentiles. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. Now, what happens here in verse 21 and 22 is people say, you see, if you don't continue, then you're going to get nailed. And they use an if-then contingent idea. They use a, if the Gentile world rejects, and then God's just going to cut them off. How long has that Gentile world been rejecting God? Since Genesis 11. Actually, since Noah's day. See. So, they will read into this something that it's not. You know what, you know what verse 21 and 22 are? This is an if-then statement of fact. Not condition, not contingent upon, but rather fact. How do the Gentiles stand in verse 20? By what? By faith. Not do. Not religious 
If you do this, then I will bless you. That's conditional. You stand by what? By faith. No, it's not working. That's simply placing your faith is not a faith is a dumb thing, honestly. Because it's the object of your faith that is the issue. We stand how? By faith. Who's our who's the object of our faith? The Lord Jesus Christ is. What did Israel have? They had 10 commandments, actually 613 of them, but the top 10. And you know what? They broke every one of them. And then when the young rich ruler man says, hey, I've kept them all, and the Lord says, okay, I'm going to go, you go do this, and I'll, to be a citizen of the kingdom, you have to act like this, sell all that you have and give alms. He's like, oh, no, no, I can't do that. That's unbelief. You see, when he talks here about this issue of severity, verse 21, if God spared not the natural branches, Notice, take heed. Here's a warning here, guys. You've got to think this through. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness. Think about that. If They say that if you continue, then everything's good. All the, you know, uh, what's Romans 8, 28, the, the verse that goes to church every Sunday? And we know that all things work together for good to them, love God to them who, you know, and they pull that verse out of the context. So if you continue and you're doing good, then God's blessing you. You know that you're already blessed with what? All spiritual blessings? Can't get you any more. Well, then your life's going to be easier. Really? Not last time I checked. I've been working out since, you know, trying to get some, get some tone back, you know. No, not really. Just get some activity. And you know what happens? Now my back hurts. You know why? I haven't been working out for a while, and I overdid it. So you know what you're doing? You're over there with the Advil bottle, and you're taking it easy, and you kick back, and Linda looks at and goes, are you going to work today? I'm like, nope. I'm sitting right here. Life ain't easy. So this isn't an if. If the Gentiles stop believing, stop being faithful, then God does what? Cut it off. Ends it. That's not what Paul's talking about at all. Rather, he's talking about the status, the position that we have, that access. Come over to Acts 14. That issue of the Gentiles are... In, are uh, Encouraged here, take heed, be, care, be careful, see what you've got. Notice, look at this, you've been grafted into that olive tree, the picture of access to God. You've got this status, you've got this place, you've got this position, and you're there by faith alone, not by an activity, not by a religious doing, not by keeping ceremonies and so forth, but you are there. And again, Acts 14, it's, you, you got to see this, otherwise... You just, it just jumbles the mind, and, and you're off in it. It has to do with this issue of an open-door policy now, this access to God. There's no barriers. What does Ephesians 2 say? He's broken down the middle wall of partition. He's, he's taken the handwriting of an ordinances and done what with them? Nailed them to his cross. There's no barrier between the Gentile and, and God now. See? That's the, the issue in 11, Romans 11 is status. What's the status? What's your place? What's your position? Acts 14, look at verse 27. Paul, he's established his ministry work in there. And he says in verse 27, and when they were come together, and uh, I'm sorry, when they would come and had gathered the church together, they released all, I'm sorry, they rehearsed all that God had done with them. Now watch, and how he, God, had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. That's what Romans 11 is talking about in this section from 16 to 25. The Gentiles are grafted into a place of privilege, a door of faith, no obstacles. Again, faith, that unmeritorious activity here. You're not doing anything. 
well, Rick, do you mean I can come over here and do this? Yeah, you can. Now, you shouldn't, but you can. Why? Wow, look at how rich you are. There's no obstacles. And that's what Paul's dealing with. Come back to Romans 11. Oh, it's time to quit. Oh, we're almost done. Romans 11. And verse 22. Verse 20, verse 21. If God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. That is not an if-then conditional statement. It is a statement of fact. What is the facts? The facts are Israel was cut off, broken off because of their what? Their unbelief, no faith. He comes over here now and he does something with the Gentiles. That's the goodness of God. We'll have to look at that next time because it's up. Unless you guys are good for another 10 minutes. I don't think my wife is, but the, the Sunday school group is. Okay? But the, what you have there is you have him look now and say, okay, Gentiles, now you have, a, you have access. Access is granted. You stand by faith. And that's the issue. The Gentiles occupy the status, the standing of by faith. That open door. That's why in Acts 15, Peter would say, we have to be like they are how? By faith. What does Peter understand? Galatians 2, Paul's clear. I brought them up to speed. They perceived the grace that was given unto me. Peter would stand there and say what? It's by faith. Okay? All right. I'm going to mark. We're going to go back up. There's a thing in Acts 15 we got to catch, and we'll do that next time. And then we'll keep going. Eventually we'll get down there. <laughs> okay? So we made it to verse 22, I think, right? All right. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we thank you for who we are in your son. We thank you for uh, that status and privilege that we have in you. And as we understand that and as we come to learn that, we just rejoice in that. In your name we pray. Amen.